0: Do I got you? We have you. He I, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, you guys are real quiet. Uh That's well, just man, the nature of the show, really. Yeah. <laughs> At this time, we ask that you please clear the field and continue your celebration elsewhere. Thank you. Get off, you the field? get off the field, Zach.
1: I'm so sad you weren't recording.
0: Uh, I am recording. Uh,
1: Oh good, I think you have your sound. Okay. Good morning and welcome to episode 319 of Effectively Wild, the first episode of our second off-season, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series, and so we're joined today uh, by Zachary Levine, who was in the press box for the game today, Um, and we're also joined by Ben (laughs) Lindbergh. Hi Ben. Hi. Hi Zachary.
2: Hi. How's it going?
1: Good. So first, two quick pieces of business from yesterday's show. One of them is uh, suitable for Zachary because we had talked about whether a team uh, would rather uh, uh, be 20 games better than their opponent in a seven-game series uh, but lose the first game or be equal to their opponent and um, win the first game. And uh, we got some final numbers thanks to Zachary. The team that loses the first game... Uh, but is 20 wins better than its opponent, uh, is roughly a 59% favorite to still win the series. Um, so uh, so that's good to know. That's actually not irrelevant information. There are scenarios in your life where you might have a team in a playoff series that is around 20 wins better or worse than its opponent, and they might find themselves up or down one game, and you will now know what this means for them. So I'm actually glad that we did this pointless exercise, uh, and I hope somebody recorded it. Uh, John Chenier actually did on our Facebook page. He has a great Excel spreadsheet that shows um, uh, the various odds for different win teams, and it's great, it's beautiful, and it's helpful, so go look at it. Look at you, uh, the other thing... knowing
0: what's on our Facebook page. He told me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> um, I can verify that it's there.
1: And then the other thing, I forget what the other thing we were going to talk Oh, yeah, the other thing is, uh, I guess we don't really have to talk about this right now, but Uh, We talked yesterday about ways to improve the draft to to keep teams from tanking at the end of the season. And as somebody pointed out, we actually talked about this about 100 episodes ago as well and came up with a solution at the time that still seems reasonable to me. At the time, our solution was to make the worst and second-worst teams hold a one-game playoff between the LDSs and the LCSs. The winner gets to pick first overall. The loser drops five spots. Um, and so that way you don't give a gimme to the worst team. They only have a 50% chance of getting that pick if they want to tank, and we all get a game of significant, meaningful baseball on an otherwise dreary off day. I still like that idea, although I think I like my idea yesterday more. I think I've switched my allegiance to present-day Sam rather than past-ten Sam.
2: Well, you sort of have to uh, incentivize the players in the the past tense Sam example. Like, if I'm the guy whose position could be taken by a number one draft pick, what do I have to play it for?
1: Well, you're probably that's that's pretty rare. I mean, if we're very few, I think very few players are that worried about, especially an 18 year old high schooler, or even a really college kid. But uh, a number of players' contracts would have basically expired at that point and they are no longer part of the team's future and so in that case you're right you would have serious incentive issues uh so i just want to ask a question to start this conversation off and we can go any direction you want with this show but um as it stands right now if you're setting the odds in vegas are the red sox the clear favorites to win next year's world series
2: uh can i cheat because i already know the odds in vegas for next year's world (laughs) series i guess well i'll let i'll let ben answer it first because i already know the odds for next year's world series in Vegas.
1: i'm curious yeah i'm curious about your answer though i mean vegas can be wrong
2: oh um no i don't think so only just the old rule that your chances of winning the world series these days are your chances of making the playoffs times your chances of of, of winning the World Series once you get to the playoffs. And we feel these days like the, that those chances of winning the World Series once you get to the playoffs are roughly all the same. So the favorite to win the World Series is the team that has the best chance to get there. So, I mean, I think the Dodgers have a much better chance of making the playoffs next year and, and winning a division. Like, it's a, a much better thing to win a division now than to have to play that coin flip game. Uh, the Dodgers have a much better chance of winning their division next year than the Red Sox do. Even though I think the Red Sox are the favorite, they're not a prohibitive favorite. And I guess I would say the Tigers also do, although I'm, I, I guess I'm a little less confident about that
0: one. I have very uh, so
2: so I, would, I would put the Dodgers as the favorite to win the World Series next year.
0: I have very little to add to that. That's, that's just about exactly what I was going to say.
1: Not, neither of you mentioned the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, Cardinals would be up there, too, I, I think. Yeah, uh, just because that division
2: is Red. a little tighter. But, but I know you guys were talking recently about the Dodgers versus the field, and, and that's the only division where I would, without a doubt, take one team over the field.
1: Can you imagine telling a Cardinals fan in March that the Cardinals are going to make the World Series and that Oscar Tavares would not play, but that Michael Walker would play, that probably would have seemed really weird and unpredictable.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know why we're talking about the Cardinals. It's a Red Sox night. <laughs> so talk about the Red Sox. That's my question. Tell me, say, uh, say, say Zachary, talk about the Red Sox.
2: <laughs> okay, well, the Red Sox, the, the odds quoted I saw tonight, are 12-1 to 1 to win the World Series next year. Uh, but this year's Red Sox, it was uh, it was the best team in baseball, and I, I think we like when that happens. It was the team with the best record in the better league that won this series in a more dominating fashion than the the final score of of the series, of four to two, would tell you. They uh, there were there were two games that really weren't all that close, and and Boston was on top in both of them. They were game one here and. In Game Six here, and and they absolutely deserved this series. For as weird as some of it was, uh, there was there was absolutely no question who the better team was over this the six-game stretch. And uh, it's uh, it's it's three in ten years. It's um, it's three for for David Ortiz. Uh, it's the the first for. Ben Charrington as general manager, John Farrell as manager, although they've they've both been in, in other roles with this club before. Uh, but I think I you know I, I talked to Larry Lucchino after the game, and and he was talking about how you know what did you see in this this 69 win team last year that that made you want to take the approach of of going for a championship and and he said that they like what they saw they liked the pieces that were left after the Dodgers trade but even he didn't see it turning around from 69 wins to 97 wins in a and a World Series uh, this fast and and my piece tomorrow is going to be a little bit on, on how they made that transition uh, so quickly what went right and is there anything that other teams can learn from this
0: so, so I heard Ben Charrington say a couple times after the game that he just felt blessed to be along for the ride or it was fun to be along for the ride, which is a, a very humble way to, to, to express that as the general manager of the team who was responsible for signing a lot of the players who, who helped the Red Sox get where they were. And I've heard various other people talking about this team and the improvement and how much credit he deserves. Um, I, I've heard sort of the idea that he just kind of came along and and the team got healthy and that was the primary reason why they weren't good last year and uh, now they were healthy all of a sudden and and that was the the big the big variable that changed. Um, but he deserves quite a bit of credit, right, for for the moves that he made last winter.
2: Yeah, you know, there's one where I really want to give him a lot of credit, and I wish I could have asked him about this, and it's something that I, I probably should have asked him in, in some other game where it was was less crowded here. But uh, I'll give him a lot of credit if he had something on Shane Victorino that none of the rest of us saw. That So many people said this is a huge mistake. You know, he's a platoon hitter. He's a declining platoon hitter. Um And they gave him a a deal that at the time looked silly, and he was a five-win player this year for $13 million. And, you know, it was, uh, I like to say, overqualified for his position. He was obviously had a a huge role in today's game. Um, The grand slam that he hit against the Tigers uh, was was obviously another hit that got them this far. Um, So that's the one where I, I... I would really like to know if I ever get a chance to sit down with him, or that's unlikely, but uh, have a chance to do an, any kind of interview with him and, and find out really what they saw in Victorino that that we were all wrong about. And then the Napoli thing I worked out terrifically for for Boston, that they were going to give him this big deal. He failed the physical, ended up signing a, a one-year small money kind of deal. And um, other than that, he did, he did some things – that didn't work out too, you know the. Did he? Because whole...
1: I was trying to think about it. I I could think of I think seven seven signings they made, and they, I mean Dempster maybe arguably, but even Dempster right. was you know hot stuff the first half, and you right. know he gave him gave him innings. Um, I, I
2: think the one that, that was the like was the worst was probably Melanson for uh, Joel oh, Hanahan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's was true. I mean you look at how great this bullpen was, and then you realize that this was the throw-it-together backup plan, to what was supposed to be. They they actually did invest a lot in this bullpen, and it's sort of a, a nice lesson when the one that that worked out, and and how that was the the signing for four million that barely registered. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh- Game six seemed like it was probably more fun to experience in person than it was at home. I would imagine it kind of had that kind of had that feel that it was more or less over early. Obviously, the the Cardinals have a good offensive team, although we didn't really see it in the last week or so. Uh, and they've they've come back from from deficits like that in the past, but it sort of had that that feeling of not not being particularly close, not being really in question. After the first couple innings, and I assume the the atmosphere there was just sort of waiting for for the celebration time to start.
2: Yeah, it was kind of a party. I missed the Tim McCarver farewell, though. Was that good?
0: <laughs> uh, I I believe Joe Buck said he was the best ever. Oh, okay. So, just well, an understated tribute. And he's
2: an and he's an expert on the matter, so <laughs> he's. Certainly has more experience with him than anybody,
0: right so, Yes,
2: um, but yeah, it was uh, it was sort of a party here after uh, after that Victorino double. there was very little sense you're right that the Cardinals kept, could get back into it. The one time it got interesting was uh, when John Lackey played the macho card when John Farrell came out to the mound and tried to take the ball from him and and Lackey put his glove up to his face and started screaming <laughs> and farrell left him in and then he walked a guy and then it was uh, as i said on twitter it was time for farrell to be an adult in the situation
1: can and i can i can i can i share a hypothesis uh, not a hypothesis but speculation I actually think what? That, that was I think that was all kabuki by Farrell. I think I don't think there's anybody who didn't know exactly how Lackey was gonna react when he came out there. I mean we uh. see Lackey do this every single time. It was completely predictable before he took, you know, the second step out of the dugout, you knew that Lackey was gonna make that face and, and say it's mine, it's mine and get all heartfelt and everything. And so Farrell goes out and like lets himself get swayed, so called. Um, I just think Farrell knew all along that he was gonna go out there. Pretend to look into Lackey's eyes, let Lackey convince him, and in doing so, that Lackey would sort of pump himself up and uh, and and you know get like a little extra boost from you know getting a vote of confidence from his skipper. Uh, so I actually uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Farrell and say that it was not refusing to be an adult, but it was just a little bit of uh, a little bit of psychology he was employing.
2: Okay, psychology, not this is pro wrestling.
1: <laughs> just psychology. It's, he but knows okay. he knows his picture.
2: Okay, I like that. No, that's fair. I, I sort of had that sense too, so I I think that's definitely fair.
0: And uh, Matheny didn't. I also love. I
1: love that Lackey walked the guy too. Like the <laughs> yeah. Best best possible ending to that. Not a home run would have been awful. Like a home run would have been too much. We all would have felt really lousy. Mm-hmm. But a walk is perfect. Just enough to sort of move the move the action forward a little bit. Get Lackey out of the game and 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 uh, kind of embarrass him just a touch. Yep. Uh, He's been fighting for that extra batter for like twelve years. <laughs> he finally got it, <laughs> and he walked him. <laughs> um, uh,
0: Matheny didn't. He didn't get grilled after the game, right? He. It was like a pool reporter situation. It, yeah, exactly.
2: It was a sort of a closed off situation. So I, I wasn't there for it. I read a little of it, and there wasn't. There wasn't
0: much to it. Yeah, I, I guess once you've lost, there's probably no no reason to ask right. about right. intentional walks and.
2: Yeah, he walked David NBA. Ortiz a few times.
0: <laughs> Not bringing in Carlos Martinez when you have Lance Lynn and and a big jam or or whatever pitcher you you want to name, um, that yeah. was.
1: We did. We did. Yeah, there was there was uh, that. Uh, people were uh, talking about firing him um, on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is this? Do you guys? Do you guys think this is insanely uh, uh, over the top reaction, or do you think that Matheny is going to carry a little bit of stink? Uh,
0: I mean, I I think f- firing him is is extreme, certainly. Um, but I thought it was pretty pretty poorly managed series on his part and. I guess you say he's still sort of an inexperienced manager and he's getting better at this and he was better in his sophomore season than he was in his rookie year and maybe they, they get back next year and he he learns from this in some way. But it's uh, I think Will, Will Leach wrote a column about that yesterday, about how he's sort of learning on the job in the World Series, which is not really when you want your manager to be learning on the job Um I don't know, I mean, we've we've talked about it, we've written about it, there were a lot of moves that I thought were, were not the optimal ones.
1: Yeah, it was, you know, we talk all the time about how the the most important things a manager does are things that are out of our sight, and how the, you know, on the field stuff is a really small part of it, and um, it, it is kind of surprising to look at this series and see like just how many decisions there actually are that you can get wrong, yeah. and like Matheny, I mean, you could, you might make the case that they're all fairly small margin decisions that you we're talking 52 to 48 or whatever. And that, you know, for all we know, he's right about, you know, half of the things we think he was wrong about, or maybe he's right about more than that. But there really were, a, it seems like there just were a ton of situations where he had to make a decision that was kind of important. Like, yeah, you can sort of see how a manager's value on the field is sort of a big deal, too.
0: Yeah, I've kind of come around to that that philosophy I, I i'm still on board with you know the the leader of men stuff the clubhouse stuff mattering a lot and maybe it maybe it differs depending on where in the sort of competitive cycle your your team is if you're a, a team with a lot of young players or you're just sort of trying to get competitive again maybe then these sort of moves don't matter so much if you're a, if you're a team that has Solid expectations of being at this point and and getting this far I mean at at that point once you're in the World Series and you're and you're hurting your team Even if it's just you know a couple points here and there of, of win expectancy or whatever that's in the World Series That's a big deal and that stuff adds up and you could you could try to figure out what that's worth in runs and dollars and it would be pretty big numbers um, so I, I don't know my my philosophy is that yes, the other stuff is really important. Maybe it's more important, but that you you probably shouldn't probably shouldn't skimp on the on the in-game tactical stuff either. That you could probably find someone who can do both. Whether it's a a person who can lead and and inspire people and keep the clubhouse in line, and either has some sort of tactical acumen when he takes the job, or is just willing to listen to front office input or whatever whatever it takes. I, I feel like. It's possible to to get someone who can do both.
2: Yeah, and, and Farrell's going to come out of all this looking really good. Like, there's going to be a column everywhere about the, how his hiring and the getting rid of Valentine, you know, jump started all this. But Farrell didn't really distinguish himself this series either. I was right. I would, uh, I would uh, agree. There was if if St. Louis had won, we could have there would have been all the same things to say there. So it was. Uh, it was sort of odd odd both ways. And by the way, like 20 minutes after they made that announcement for everyone to clear the field, there's at least 100 people still on the field <laughs> doing nothing. Just walking around, getting their pictures taken, like knocking on the green monster, mm-hmm. throwing things or like playing ball out in the field. <laughs> I don't know who any of them are,
0: but nobody's going home. Are you just planning to spend the night there so you don't have to walk outside the stadium?
2: uh actually outside the stadium looks okay now i'm up on on, i guess it's called level five of the stadium it's the the top level and and looking out and it's very very under control um they closed all the streets immediately around fenway they did a really great job i think i was reading in the paper this morning they had police from 40 different municipalities helping out in town uh between the the game and president obama's visit today um so they've done a, what seems like a really great job. I haven't heard any bad stories yet, and I've heard downtown. As you get a little closer downtown, just where it's more, there's some residences and and some bars and stuff. The things have gotten a little wild, but uh, there's by no means anything resembling a riot. It's just the uh, the transit won't be easy tonight. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the- I'm gonna I'm gonna stay a while, write my story, say some goodbyes, and then. Uh, I have an 8:30 class tomorrow.
1: So Matheny, Matheny, only talked to a pool reporter. Is, is the losing, is the losing clubhouse open?
2: Uh, I am not sure. I was uh, I was just working on a Boston thing. Um, there were some grumbling among members of the media today, which, as people were getting up, which makes me always think either the press food was bad, but it couldn't have been that because that was five hours ago. Or that something about access went wrong. So I wouldn't be surprised if the access in the the Cardinals' clubhouse was was not what it was supposed to be.
1: So all right. So uh, what's what's gonna what's the big weakness for the Red Sox right now? Like what what's gonna make next year super disappointing?
2: Uh, hmm. That's tough. There there doesn't seem to be a huge one. Uh, I guess it could be starting pitching if something goes wrong there. Uh, Lester took a little step back, and, and you don't know what's going to happen at the end of the rotation if they have to bring Webster in, and, and you just don't know who's ready. I guess it could be there. Uh, you ne- you're never gonna get anything better than this from Ortiz. Uh, so I guess low end of the defensive spectrum stuff with that, and and whatever happens in left field, uh, uh, will probably go down a little bit. So, so I would say those would be the two spots. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the Cardinals have a a bunch of a bunch of uh, you don't know questions to answer, positions to fill possibly a, a shortstop to acquire somehow, um, maybe a surplus of pitching, and maybe they'll talk about trading a starter and trying to get a shortstop from somewhere. They've got to figure out where to put Tavares and where to put Craig and where to put Adams. These are mostly good problems about having too many players for, for not enough positions, uh, which is not such a Nation. big deal, but...
1: They should put Tavares, Craig, and Adams all at short <laughs> I think they could reasonably cover the, cover the position.
0: Yeah. That's that's a novel solution. It's not bad. Uh, all right.
1: So so what uh
2: what St. Louis Cardinal now that they've been defeated should the Red Sox take into next year?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh geez, I feel like well hmm. I mean, the pitchers are off the table, so it can't be a pitcher. Uh, Carpenter doesn't. I like Carpenter a lot, but the, the the experts don't seem to think that he's like this kind of a player going forward. Uh, I mean, if contract is 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 inco- included, you would probably would just take Tavares, right?
2: I don't know. I, I feel like you're taking way too long to get to Yadier. <laughs> yeah, I think you could take Yaddy. Yeah, I was gonna say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forgot that they have Yadier Molina.
2: Yeah, he's pretty good.
1: Yeah, so they take Yadier or Molina. Or,
2: put, or Beltran and left or something. I don't know.
0: Yes, that's another thing the Cardinals have to decide is whether to bring him back. And I would guess the answer will be no. Probably.
1: I wonder what kind of contract he gets.
0: Uh, I don't know. Two years. Maybe the
1: same. Three years. I could see him getting the exact same contract. Like basically for the rest of his career, as long as he stays productive, he'll just always get the exact same contract every two years. He'll just go out and get it again.
0: Two years, twenty six.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that still seem like just about right? It's funny because everybody was talking about like what an insane bargain he was, and he was. But I still don't know if anybody's going to give him more than that. He's two years older. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh. All right. Is there anything else from this series that we have to get to? From this season that we have to get to?
1: Uh, I talked about my plan for the Cardinals shortstop. Uh, (laughs) That's the one thing I really wanted to get to, Uh so
0: no. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right, then. Um, Thank you, everyone, for for following us throughout this season. It's been fun, Uh, which is not to say that we are stopping or that really anything is changing, except that it gets even harder (laughs) to keep doing the show uh and i've been listening to the various other baseball podcasts that i listen to and all of them have been like signing off for the year this week (laughs) and like we'll be back next year well we will be back tomorrow uh and i don't i don't know what we'll talk about but uh, if you have any suggestions for what you want us to do this offseason uh please send them our way and we'd be happy to to consider them and and you're stuck with us, really. If you wanna, if you wanna listen to a daily baseball podcast, your your options are limited. So we have that working for us. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I have to say.
1: Me, uh, me too. <laughs> okay.
0: All right, uh, Zachary, we wish you well finishing your story and getting out of there alive. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, good night, everyone, and we will be back tomorrow.